So for you guys who don't know, my name is Elliot Reed. I'm an osteopath and the founder of the Revitalized Health and Fitness Clinic, where we provide over 6,500 individuals with osteopathy, physiotherapy, sports therapy, personal training, counseling, herbal medicine, and more. Now, I've had this question a lot, a lot, a lot, over, say, the past month or two, which is, what do I think about the vaccine? And I think, to be honest, this discussion serves as a perfect metaphor to how our society is going, especially in the Western world, for the pros and the cons of it. All right, so once again, I've had this question a lot. What do you think about the vaccine, Elliot? And it, it really takes me back to a conversation which I had with my friend. My friend's uh, an aerospace, uh, aerospace engineer. So he engineers machinery and, and, and vehicles for them to be able to fly safely. Now, let's put his journey into perspective, all right? Dan, my friend's story, I saw him when I went to Bristol a month or so ago, he's probably noticed that he had an affinity for physics and for maths probably since about the age of 14, right? And he's, and he's 29 now. Now, since the age of 14, he's, he's studied hard in his GCSEs. He's studied hard for his A-levels. He's gained A-levels in maths and, and physics, I think. And then he went on to do a degree in aerospace engineering. And um, he did this at, at Guildford University. And despite being the, uh, despite having a very hard time, he earned his degree, earned his qualifications. Now, he has gone through the same frustration as me, which is when individuals who don't have a background in critical thinking, uh, science, or let alone virology, feel like they can voice their opinions and be heard and, and that their opinions make sense. He's, to quote him, he says, long gone are the times where people can create society-changing intervention without a long process of developing expertise. And I completely agree with this. And I wonder, to be honest, if there's ever been a case in modern history where the layman has been able to make groundbreaking uh, discoveries or groundbreaking commitments or groundbreaking interventions when it comes to society as a whole. Even when we look at the early founders of psychology, for example, um, and the early founders of osteopathy, they were medical doctors first. These individuals had at least 10 years of medical experience under the belt before they even had the, not the audacity, but even before they even had the courage or the commitment to say pivot from that path. Now, it wants, you know, I, I think that we as human beings, for some reason, especially now, we, we've shifted away from paying attention to the underdog who was grafted for decades to be recognized as an expert in their field. We like to tell ourselves the story of, for example, Isaac Einstein, who sat down and had these thought experiments and then from there, it seems, overnight became an international um, revered genius. Or the story of Isaac Newton, who just happened to have an apple fall beside him or fall on his head. And then from there, you know, miraculously, he had the uh, the, the genius uh, epiphany that the genius epiphany that gravity um, existed and, and came up with the mathematical formulation for gravity. 
we don't take into consideration that there was something very, very special about, uh, about Einstein or that he already had copious amounts of experience when it comes to mathematics or that Isaac Newton already had copious amounts of experience when it comes to understanding physics. We tell ourselves a very, very short story and, um, and the reason why we tell ourselves this short story is because we feel like it relates to us in a, on, a, on a deeper level. It's the same reason why, for example, we love to tell ourselves a story about the garage starting businessman slash entrepreneur who decided that he's gonna drop out of uni, he's gonna drop or he's gonna drop out of his job and he's gonna start a business from his garage. We don't tell ourselves that for this individual to even be living in a house with a garage in California or San, San Francisco, this individual probably already comes from a multi-million pound household, which has all the connections and all the access that goes with it, all right? So we tend to minimize these stories. And the reason why we do it is because it makes us feel good. And the reason why it makes us feel good is it feels like that level of intelligence or that level of expertise is attainable to us, the lay people. And also we have to consider that for, for someone to be a genius in one thing, he has to be lay in a lot of other things because it takes a hell of a lot of commitment to become that expert in certain things, right? So once again, we pay little attention to the, the actual foundations for these individuals. And the reason why once again, it tells us that anyone with a hint of inspiration can do good and we can do good. That hint of inspiration can transfer into years of commitment and love in trying to get better at something that we, that we believe in and something that we believe will value humanity. But when something has killed one and a half million people worldwide, one and a half million people worldwide, I think it's over a million cases in the UK, over 50,000 people dead. When something is, is, is that dangerous, is that severe, can we really rely on, on someone on Facebook to tell us what to believe and, and how to think? It once again brings up an interesting side of society where we suffer from severe numbers fatigue, severe numbers fatigue. If you saw one person die in front of you, you'd call an ambulance straight away. But for some reason, when 50,000 people die, you can rely on someone on Facebook to tell you whether or not a vaccine is safe or not. The fact is that with this vaccine, we've had, we've, we've had trials of 40, over 30,000 individuals uh, with a with a participant number which is unrivaled to previous studies because never before has the world been so united in trying to understand the virus and being able to and, and trying to to stop it from killing any more people and stopping from damaging our our way of life and our society anymore and the thing is is that when it comes to trusting in experts to decide or help us to, to help to inform us what we should and shouldn't do. We do this every day. Every time you drink your tap water, you trust it to be safe. Every time you get in your car, you trust it not to explode. Every time you eat something, you trust that the person who's engineered that food and grown that food is, uh, hasn't contaminated, contaminated it to the point where it's going to harm you. So my question is, why do we distrust scientists with decades of experience? with studies of over 30,000 participants with results of a 90 plus success rate to eradicate a virus and enable us to return to normality. Why don't we trust these individuals? Now, when it comes to a good tool, which I, which I use a lot to try and 
learn if there is an underlying truth to something, I rely on the five whys. If you can ask why five times and someone can come up with a logical explanation, they know what they're talking about. So I get this a lot in the clinic. For example, let's say my expertise are in osteopathy, right? I hope they are full year, master's degree, and um, as well as that seven years of experience. Why does my back hurt? My back hurt, your back hurts because although the injury is recovered, your body is keeping a, uh, a defense mechanism to try and protect you, first of all. Why is my body trying to protect me? The reason why your body is trying to protect you is it fears that you're incapable of doing what you want to do. Why does it feel like I'm incapable of doing what? So third way, I'm capable of what I, of doing what I wanted to do because you haven't built up a an evidence base for your nervous system to show it that everything's going to be okay if you do that. Why haven't I done that? Well, you've already expressed a little bit of fear avoidance. That fear avoidance has led you into into deconditioning your your body and deconditioning those muscles. Why are my muscles deconditioned? Because you haven't stimulated them enough. If we start to stimulate these areas in a safe way, we can get you pain-free. Five whys, easy as that. Not a problem for someone who knows what they're talking about. Ask anyone on Facebook who is anti-vaccination in general, or let's say aren't anti the COVID-19 virus, ask them why five times. I don't think this virus is safe. Why don't you think this virus is safe? It was too rushed. Well, why do you think it was rushed? Because it took shorter than other vaccines to pass. Why do you think that is? And if they come up with some, for example, I don't know if it's because of corporate greed. Well, where's the evidence for that? Well, they might say that it's, it's been rushed and therefore it's ineffective. Well, where's the evidence for that? If they can't get past two or three whys, they don't know what they're talking about. To rely, the, the, the issue with this is, once again, it comes back to that question that I asked before. Where in the history of civilization have we relied on lay people, lay men and lay women, people who aren't experts, to give us a solution to complicated problems? Now, it might have been that back in, in the days of tribalism that we do that. We ask people who have very limited expertise and very limited information to give us the solutions to quite complicated problems. And that's because they probably have the maximum amount of information that is available to them at that period of time. Long gone are those days. Now, with just a, a ridiculous amount of information uh, which we have access to, we cannot rely on lay people to shift through that information. We have to rely on experts. To rely on laymen is a return to tribalism. To stand on the shoulders of giants is true civilization. The reason why we don't start theories or many theories now from the ground up is because we don't have to. When we have the secular disciplines of physics, medicine, art, music, um, acting, we don't have to start from the ground up anymore. It takes a very, very special individual to take all this information, take all, this, uh, all these expertise available to us and start another theory from the ground up. It's very, very rare. I can't think of one occurrence where that's when it's happened and a lot of the time when that does happen especially in the health and fitness field it is pure pseudoscience it's purely individuals who are trying to make a buck and they're telling you that this shake or this uh, magic medicine is going to transform your body and it's just it doesn't work right so 
what I would actually implore individuals is to trust in science and trust with trust in the critiques of science unless we are able to say that we're well, well educated when it comes to scientific principles. If we're not well educated when it comes to scientific principles, we do not deserve to be in that domain. I come from a boxing background. I remember when I was, I boxed for about eight years. And I remember when I was boxing, the amount of punters would scream, hit him, hit him, hit him. Keep your hands up, keep your hands up, jab, jab, jab. And these individuals are the same Facebook spectators that are telling scientists how to conduct their daily living. They think that just because they have an opinion that they have some justification for their beliefs. I think it was Yuvanol Harari who wrote the book Sapiens, who said that human beings have the capacity for logic, but human beings are not logical by nature. And when we look at why many individuals express these views which aren't founded by logic, if they're not founded by logic, a lot of the time they'll be founded on their emotions. They'll be founded on fear of the unknown. They'll be founded on fear of missing out. They want to see their friends again. They just want things to return to normality. So why not let the virus run its course? They will be fearful for the vaccine because they heard that one person got autism once and therefore they don't want to get autism. So therefore their kids to get autism. So therefore they're not going to take the virus. It makes the vaccine. It makes absolutely no sense. But you can see how these emotions are essentially defense mechanisms, mechanisms which are trying to protect that individual. And it's important that we recognize that when we don't have a foundation for logic and we have a foundation for emotions, those emotions still have a reason to exist. But we have to be able to look at them from a bird's eye perspective and realize whether or not those emotions, if channeled to a public domain, like on Facebook or on Instagram, are actually doing any good to the world. If, if you're expressing your fear of the unknown, when other, when other people are very well rehearsed in the matter of the unknown, which is virology in this situation, then we have no right to, to speak our opinion. It's the time to be quiet, understand your fear, and let the flames of your fear be doused by uh, individuals who have the expertise to do so. So I'm just gonna go through, I think I might have had some questions. Let me in, I don't know who this is. One second. Who's this? Let's see if we wait until we go. If you guys have any questions, I'd be happy to, to answer any questions that you have. Cool, no, that's it. All right. Guys, thank you so, so much for watching. Um, some of you have commented to say that I'm making sense. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, Allah. And um, yeah, the individuals who just keep saying, wake up. Well, <laughs> wake up from what? <laughs> wake up from logic? <laughs> that's a deep rabbit hole. Thank you so much for watching. Like I said, my name's Elliot Reed, Oshapak. I'm founder of the Revitalized Health Pits. Oh, I've had a question. What do you think is the most egregious concern about the vaccine? One second. Doug, I'm going to have to Google what that word means. One second. Egregious. Right, egregious. Outstanding, badly shocking. All right, cool. Yeah, microchips is is up there. I would, I would actually say that microchips are probably the, the most insane and shocking uh, theory as to why the vaccine might be bad for us. So 
first of all, when it comes to microchips, there are a very, there are very theories, let's call them, let's not call them theories, let's call them pseudo theories. There are very pseudo theories, very pseudo theories and fears as to why microchips, as to about the microchips that are in the vaccine. Now, first of all, when it comes to science, anyone who's, who's had some involvement in science knows that science comes from making incremental increases in the development of something, right? So once again, it comes to the concept of standing up on the shoulders of giants. You can keep on building on that, but it's very rare that a new theory shoots out of the ground and, and makes itself known, right? So when it comes to, yeah, so Holly, that's exactly what I was gonna say. When it comes to microchips, there is absolutely no founding evidence that you can inject someone with something and control them thereafter. In fact, even hypnotism has its huge limitations when it comes to controlling individuals. To say that you're going to in inject someone with something and therefore be able to control them, well, first of all, you have to be able to inject them with something which is going to control their frontal cortex. The brain has a blood-brain barrier, which means that very few things can go from the blood and enter into the brain. So to then, so that's your first limit, in, in my opinion. You then have to have something which is so sophisticated that it could implant itself in the brain if it can get past a blood-brain barrier in the frontal cortex and take hold of it completely, right? Now, anyone who's had a severe knock to the head, anyone who has had some form of brain damage um, and is interacting with someone with a form of brain damage can kind of get an idea that something's not quite right. Now, this, and this is, you know, even from the multitude of knocks that someone could have, which could affect their brain in, in, in any way, right? Um, the, when something is so obviously not quite right with an individual, it will then beg the question as to, well, if, if someone takes something, and considering that these vaccines are going to be taken incrementally in society, surely the rest of the population realise that something's not quite right within these individuals, and they distance themselves from the vaccine even more, right? So even though that even now that there obviously isn't any scientific foundation for someone to fall back on to say that yeah this, this makes sense it's, it's, it's a it's a it's a nano injection or whatever it is a nano chip that's going to control someone there's no evidence to suggest that it's possible there's no evidence to suggest that that would actually take on uh, but yeah once again and once again you know like holly said people are worried about people tracking them people are worried about people knowing where they are what they're talking about this kind of thing your phone does it anyway. Facebook does it anyway. If you're on Facebook, Instagram, or WhatsApp, which most people are, or Facebook Messenger, then your 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 um, location, your your deepest desires, already known to corporations. I already had. I also had a question from Roland. So, what if there are hidden agendas? And these hidden agendas, I think, are particularly interesting. It's an interesting concept because. It goes, a lot of the time they're based in on conspiracy theories, right? Which is that there are a few select individuals who have certain agendas and those agendas will dictate the outcome of, of certain things, right? Whether it's our banking system, whether it's medicine or anything like that. Now, from my experience, it, it's not a few selective individuals. It tends to be more of an overarching emotion which tends to feed into these things. So for example, we can say 
that capitalism, I think it's a good example, has lifted a lot of nations out of poverty, a lot of people out of poverty. It's provided a foundation for wealth building. But the issue with capitalism is that due to greed, which is a deep human irrational need, it can get out of hand. And the same thing is with our is with the medical system. So there's um, an author called Ben Goldacre who wrote two very well-known books. One called The Big Farmer, I think it's called The Big Farmer, and the other one's called Bad Science, Bad Farmer and Bad Science. And we see this that in medicine, despite the fact that medicine has eradicated countless diseases, for example, polio, smallpox, typhoid, etc that due to human greed, unfortunately, bad things can still happen. So for example, um, there was a, uh, it was a, an antiretroviral drug, which is for HIV. And this was provided to a country in Africa. And, our, and obviously the, this nation paid a lot of money for it, but after retrial it showed that this medicine was no more effective than paracetamol for the treatment of HIV, really bad. A lot of people died. This is where greed can get carried away. This is where greed can cause someone to retrial a drug they know doesn't work, cook the figures, which they know doesn't work. And then from there, unfortunately, we can have severe, severe disadvantage of those individuals who take the drug. Now, we have to take the good with the bad and know that Unfortunately, human nature corrupts most things. It corrupts politics, it corrupts civilization, it corrupts medicine, it corrupts financial institutions. But we have to take the good with the bad. When it comes to science, science is probably as good as it gets at this point in time when it comes to an overarching philosophy for us to understand the world. And we can say that with science, we have been able to eradicate serious diseases. We've been able to benefit our understanding of the world. And science and medicine has been, without a doubt, a majority, majoritively good for the human species. So to say that all medicine is bad, or to say that all scientists are bad, doesn't really do any justice to us as human beings. It doesn't really do any justice to the world that we live in or our understanding of the world that we live in. So I would say that when it comes to these hidden agendas, a lot of people are mistaken when it comes to thinking about these hidden agendas and their understanding of these hidden agendas. I think it's the hidden agenda a lot of the time is human emotion, whether that's greed, jealousy, anger, anything like that. So I've got um, an in a question from Ray as well. What do you say to the people who truly believe 5G and COVID are linked or COVID is cover up? for 5G side effects. Once again, there's just no evidence to suggest that I actually did another live uh, a while ago. And it's once again, people putting too much faith in individuals like, is it David Icke or something like David Icke, um, who has no foundation in understanding scientific principles, but because he speaks really loud about things that were basically fiction, and there is definitely an overlap between fiction and what people listen to on the day-to-day -day basis because he's able to put across fiction in a factual way fact, factual way sorry people listen to him um once again you know it's, it's just really that when it comes to the radiation that is emitted by 5g it just doesn't have the capacity 
to damage human tissue. There is only one study which I think, um, so I think people base their interpretation of 5G and COVID on, um, and, and the fact that and they, they, what justifies their belief that 5G and COVID are linked is that there was like one study on rats which were blasted, absolutely blasted with like 3G radiation. And for them even, it showed minimal side effects, but this is obviously you know, far greater quantities than our little mobile phones would have. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Um, now, when it comes to, duh, 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 you also said, Roland, if events like this have already taken place, what makes people think we are safe? And once again, you need evidence, right? You need evidence to, to suggest that we are living in a world which is worse now than we were maybe, you know, like a thousand years ago, 500 years ago. Very, very difficult to justify that. When you look at everything, the fact that most houses now have central heating, electricity, um, insulation, even, even in, you know, I think 400 years ago, if you wanted insulation in your house, you'd have to combine hay with horse manure. Don't know about you, dude, but I'm not sure I'd have <laughs> some modern day grade insulation in my house, clean drinking water, very, more people are dying of obesity in the world than they are of malnutrition or um, or hunger, starvation. So to say, you know, that some some great event has already happened, which is putting our lives in jeopardy. Where's the evidence for that? You'd see a numerical decline, right? So I think that's the I think that's all the questions that I've had. Thank you so much for listening to me. If you have any more questions, and please, of course, let me know. Um, but I'm just going to wrap this up now. I'll remind you guys of, of who I am and, uh, and um, how we can help you. So my name is Elliot Reed. I'm an osteopath and the founder of the Revitalized Clinic, which has provided 6,500 clients with osteopathy, physiotherapy, sports therapy, personal training, counseling, herbal medicine, and more. If you are interested in what we do, then please follow us at, so you follow me at Elliot John Reed on Instagram, at Revitalized Clinic on Instagram. And if you just search Revitalized Clinic on Facebook or Google, will be just there thank you so much for watching and i would appreciate your uh, feedback on this podcast or this video thank you